number one thing about gambling is the house always wins. So if it was dead money down 50-50, each candidate would be minus 110. Pretty even, but Trump, he was the favorite and is now the underdog. Thanks, everyone, for joining us for today's episode of The Capitalist Investor. I'm Mark Tepper, joined by Derek Gabrielson. D, what's going on? Mark, how are you, man? I'm good, man. So today's show should be fun because we get to talk gambling kind of sort of. <laughs> a little bit. Okay. And I know you've been wanting to talk a little bit about gambling. I mean, you're, you're doing pe- – well, people used to do sports betting right. back in the day when there <laughs> were sports. Mm-hmm. You know, DraftKings stock has kind of skyrocketed. What, what are you mm-hmm. betting on recently? So Madden simulations? Yeah, so – Jeez, oh, man. Right in the middle of uh, the lockdown, nothing going on. My buddy said, hey, you can actually bet on these Madden – simulations so like no one's playing the actual video game it's just a simulation the the computer against the computer and you can basically bet on who's gonna win how awful (laughs) (laughs) what has the world come to man for like a three or four day period there if you kind of closed your eyes it was like you were actually watching football (laughs) (laughs) so i'm i'm not a big gambler at all but um you know throwing 10 bucks down and and having a rooting interest in something you can only watch so much what is that show? Tiger King or whatever? Yeah, dude, that's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I watched the whole thing, I must admit. So you got Dave Portnoy, president of Barstool. The guy used to bet on sports. Mm-hmm. Now what's he doing? He's betting on stocks. Day trading. Yeah. DTTG, right? Mm-hmm. DDTG, whatever the heck it's mm-hmm. called. So he's betting on stocks. We already manage money for all of our clients. So we're not going to talk about that. We're going to talk about a different kind of betting, a different <laughs> kind of handicapping. Because that's what the Vegas odds makers do is they handicap games. Yep. They try to figure out how much someone is favored by, right? how many points you need to give to the other team so that the, the it's more of an even or a level playing field. So we're going to handicap the presidential election in this show. There are lots of things that we could be watching right now to determine or at least get some sort of an edge on determining who might win the election in November. Will it be Trump? Will it be Biden? Okay. And we're assuming it's going, Biden's going to be the the Democratic nominee, right? Because everyone else has dropped out. Yeah. (laughs) All in the same day, pretty much. Yeah. And they all (laughs) supported him. Mm -hmm. It's funny how that works. (laughs) Yeah. A couple things I want to kick off with. First and foremost, since, what is it? I want to say since 1928. Yes, it is since 1928. The S&P 500 has predicted 87% of the U.S. presidential elections. All you have to do is look at the performance of the S&P three months before the election. If it's positive, the incumbent party stays in office. If it's negative, you have a regime change. It's that simple. That's crazy. 87%. That's, yeah. That's and, up and there. And every single one of them since 1984. Right. Okay. So 87% accuracy. Another thing I want to point out, no president has ever been reelected if they had a recession within their last two years of being in office. Mm-hmm. So we just had a recession. We did. I hope we're out of it, but we just had a recession. So Trump would be making history here. Right. If he wins, right? It would be historical because he would be overcoming a recession. Now, on the plus side of things, it appears that he is going to have, by most people's estimates, a plus 20% GDP quarter leading into the November election. 
That would certainly help him. <laughs> that would help. That would help quite a bit. Yeah. So, you know, we can look at all of these statistics and odds and I guess I'm placing a little less weight on the the recession thing. Mhm. Only because it was a man-made recession. The right. economy didn't peter out because it was just, you know, frothy and and mm-hmm. you know, the fundamentals weren't there. It petered out because we forced a shutdown. Right. And even before we forced a shutdown, many people started just refraining from going out, from spending. So it totally was man-made. So I'm discounting that indicator a little bit. And then I do believe that Trump is going to have a plus 20% quarter of GDP leading into the election. 20%, huh? Quarter over quarter on an Mm. annualized rate. Yeah. I mean, coming off of a a despicable quarter. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Bar's pretty low, buddy. Mm-hmm. Bar's pretty low. So consensus is somewhere around tw- plus 20%. Right. Mm-hmm. right Now, if it's plus 18, that's still pretty good. Right. If it's plus 30, that's really good. Mm-hmm. Right. So, I mean, we'll see, but we're coming off a low base. We'll see how things progress. I mean, obviously, if there's another economic shutdown, that probably doesn't bode well for Trump. No. Right. And I doubt there will be an economic shutdown. I just heard Larry Kudlow promise that there will not be another one. Yeah, I don't know if that makes me feel better, though. <laughs> You're saying you don't believe Larry? or Well, the last time you said something like that, then the uh, bleep hit the fan. <laughs> I think he was on CNBC and said, basically, you know, the coronavirus was contained. Yeah. This was sometime in, in February, but he he's super smart. <laughs> I'll definitely give him that. He yeah. he, he knows his stuff. So uh, I'm hoping he, he is definitely right on this one. Just my, you know, everyone's a uh, part-time uh, MD these days. It seems to be that I don't know how much the shutdown actually helped. <laughs> it didn't. Now that we're reopened, if there are flare-ups, mm-hmm. are, didn't we just pause yeah, the virus? We paused it. Yeah. It was on pause. Mm-hmm. Now, if it comes back, it comes back. Now, now, I guess I could argue that hospitals were overcrowded, so we reestablished capacity within the hospitals. Yep. Physicians have now seen this for six months or so. Right. So they're they're more equipped to treat it. Right. They know probably what kind of symptoms exist that mean you're terminal. Mm-hmm. I mean, what was the statistic, man? Like 90% of the people that went on ventilators never came off. It, it was, it was an egregious high. number. Yep. You know, and, and I guess if you identify those conditions... It, you probably don't need to have a bunch of people on ventilators that are, are you know, unfortunately, their condition's terminal. Right. Right. It's not up to me to make that decision. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if there's a capacity issue, you got to do what you got to do. So maybe that's changed. But I feel like we just kind of paused everything. Mm-hmm. Everything was put on pause. And did the world like being shut down? You know, it's funny that a lot of the people that were that were arguing for, you know, I want to stay home because it's unsafe at work are the same people that were rioting shoulder to shoulder in various cities. Yep. So, you know, v- very, very odd there. And, you know, we're not saying this is truly across the board, but, you know, people have been getting pretty big paychecks to stay at home. So what what is the motivation to get back to work? And yeah. the reason I brought that up is I had the TV on the other day and I think they were talking about. Disney workers petitioning to keep the parks closed for a little bit longer. Yep. So how much is that people concerned with their health? How much is that is concerned with getting paid for doing nothing? Yeah. (laughs) Right. Right. So, you know, obviously we know a lot more now. Older people who have pre-existing health conditions, they're much more vulnerable to this coronavirus really taking them down. Younger people seem to not be as vulnerable. 
Correct. And the, the younger people who are not as vulnerable are also the people who are, for the most part, paying the majority of the taxes to local municipalities oh, and yeah. state governments. And I think what some people have begun to realize, D, and then I kind of want to move forward here. Yep. I want to get away from the reelection and will, will a lockdown happen? Will that you know negatively impact Trump's reelection possibilities? So I remember we did this, I think, even before the coronavirus was, was out there. We would talk about that time, the, the Democratic nominees and, you know, what were their probability chances to win things like that. So updated odds for the presidency. So how this works really is, um, well, let's start with Donald Trump. So Donald Trump is plus 120. Okay. So that means that if you bet $100 on Donald Trump to win, you'll win $120. Sounds to me like he's the underdog. He is now the underdog. Okay. Joe Biden is now minus 140. So that means that you need to bet $140 on Joe Biden to win 100. So he is now the favorite. And I would say he's not a heavy favorite for sure. If they were pretty much neck and neck, the one number one thing about gambling is the house always wins. So the house would take roughly 10% usually always. So if it yep. was dead money down 50-50, each candidate would be minus 110. Yep. So, you know, pretty pretty even, but Trump has definitely he was the favorite and is now now the underdog. Yep. I guess what I what I want to look at here is the polls. Who the heck is factored <laughs> into the polls? The polls are showing that the betting odds are with Biden right now, right? right? The Biden is the favorite. But it caused me to think, who would participate in a poll? I'm okay with the current regime, mm -hmm. okay? I don't want change. So I'm not going to go and find a poll for me to cast my quote unquote ballot right. and let them know who I'm going to vote for. Mm -hmm. I'm not interested. Now on election day, you better believe I'm going to be there voting. Right. Okay. So it has me wondering, are the people that are participating in these polls, the people that want change? So is there some sort of adverse selection inherent in these polls? Are they always going to go against the current regime? I mean, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, who's participating in these? Have you participated? <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> no. So how come no one's asking me to participate, right? And I yeah, in Ohio it. too. I mean, that's a uh, that's a pretty big state. Yeah. <laughs> so you know that number one, that's a great question. Number two, I'm I'm not a, a pollster, but I do know that there is some sort of computation involved with using registered voters. So they're going to take a certain percentage and apply it to the Democrats, apply it to the Republicans. There's there's a control number. Yeah. The only reason I know this, like a lot of my information from Twitter, <laughs> you know, so the people that complain about the polls seem to point that out, that yep. that the mix is off. But you're exactly right. Like, I, I don't know how you you sign up for a poll. I, I know yeah. back in the day there was people with clipboards like on the street just yeah. asking random people. But, you know, that seems a bit off. You know, if you're in in downtown Cleveland, you're going to get a whole set of answers. And, and if you're, you know, in the suburbs, you'll probably get a, another set of answers. Right. So polling. And I think the last election certainly proved this. It's a very inexact science. Oh, that <laughs> is what I've determined. Well, I think Trump was polling at about 18 percent this time in 2016. Right. It is a very inexact science, and some might argue that it's not even remotely accurate at all. <laughs> yeah. so, all right. So let's just kind of run through this stuff. So we already yep. talked about the stock market will predict the winner, right? So if you look at the market's performance the three months before, if it's up, 
incumbent party stays in office, if it's down, you'll have a regime change. Now, here are some of the things that I think people should be aware of. So first things first, D, is a democratic sweep. So that's if Biden wins, but then they also take the Senate. Right. That's a sweep. That would be bullish for infrastructure plays. All right. So when we look at infrastructure companies, we're talking Caterpillar, Eaton, Quanta Services, U.S. Concrete, United Rentals, right? You know, companies that are involved in in working with infrastructure, bridges, right. roads, 5G, build out, stuff like that. So you can kind of create a basket of those stocks and just watch their performance versus the S&P 500. Mm-hmm. Now, since the COVID crisis struck, that basket of stocks is trending upward, okay, which would mean the likelihood of a democratic sweep has increased, but that's off the COVID base. Right. If I go back to January 1st, it looks like we're about even. Right. You know, so I think that's something to keep in mind. But, you know, you can kind of take a basket of a few of these companies and just take a look for yourself. You know, maybe pick five companies that would benefit if there's an infrastructure bill. Mm-hmm. And if they're outperforming the S&P, then it looks like investors are pricing in that it's more likely that you'll see a Democratic sweep. Mm-hmm. I think the other thing that you could look at is those companies that are going to be most impacted should there be a democratic sweep. Uh, If there were a democratic sweep, it's very likely that they would hike the corporate tax rate from 21 up to 35%, which is not good for a lot of businesses, but particularly for companies like ADP, the payroll company, CVS, all the, the drug stores, Facebook, Gap. Salesforce, Ulta Beauty, Zoetis, which is the the, the pet medicine mm. company. These are examples of companies that would be disproportionately impacted in a negative manner if there were a democratic sweep whereby the C-Corp tax rate went from 21 back up to 35%. Right. And I don't know that they're talking about going all the way back up to 35, maybe it's 28, but- there would be talks of this only if there were a democratic sweep. Right. If Biden ends up winning the presidential election, but the Republicans keep the Senate, none of this will happen. Right. And that that's the checks and balances mm-hmm. part of things, right? If there is a democratic sweep, that corporate tax rate, that, that's almost a certainty. That it will go up. Yeah. Watch your money, folks. <laughs> it, it will vanish. Mm-hmm. Your statements will not be pretty if that happens. I mean, just imagine if you go from a 20% tax rate, so you're, you're keeping, you know, 79 cents of every dollar you make. And all of a sudden now you're keeping 70 cents of every dollar. Right. Like that's a big deal, man. Mm -hmm. All the earnings are going to go down. Increasing that corporate tax rate while at the same time still potentially having adverse effects from the coronavirus and those adverse effects. And we've talked about this companies gradually reducing their workforce. Yep. You know, kind of using this as a way to trim back the fat, if you will. Yep. That's not going to bode well for the economy. I think the last thing we should talk about here, D, well, the two things. Let's talk about healthcare and let's talk about China exposure. Mm -hmm. All right. And then we'll wrap up the show so we don't take too long here. Healthcare, right? So the Democrats have been pushing for a public option for healthcare. But I think it's much more likely that all they do is expand the Affordable Care Act. Right. Right. So 
If there's no public option, that would be good for the HMOs and the hospitals and stuff like that. Right. Something to pay attention to there is just kind of watching the the healthcare stocks. Last would be performance of companies that are generating a lot of their revenue from China. Right. Obviously, Trump has been pretty hawkish on trade. Biden would be much more dovish, mm-hmm. which means he'd be more lenient. So if you take a look at the companies that are getting the most on a percentage basis of their revenues from China, and you look at their performance versus the S&P, if, if they're doing better than others, then you could argue that you know investors are pricing in a potential Biden victory. Right. If we look at that, it's a lot of semiconductors, a lot of chip names. And of course, you have two casino brands. You've got Las Vegas Sands, which is interesting. It's mm-hmm. Las Vegas, but most of their stuff is out in Macau, China. Right. Right. A very popular topic on CNBC. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And then you've got Win. So, you know, LVS, Las Vegas Sands is kind of the play on the middle class Chinese consumer, whereas Win is more of the VIP. Right. Right. And then you got a bunch of semiconductors like Avago or Broadcom, Intel. You've got Texas Instruments, you've got Xilinx, Western Digital, and then you've got Tiffany and Company. Yeah, I was high end jewelry. Like it just that didn't really make sense to me. Of all the of all the companies I'm seeing here with most revenue exposure to China, I wasn't expecting to see Tiffany there. No, that name jumped right out at me. You know, we're full disclosure, we're looking at the same list here. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah, but yeah, it's um. So you know, I guess have you ever seen uh, what's that movie? Crazy Rich Asians? I have not, no. It was actually pretty good. Yeah. I guess that's the demographic that Tiffany's is going after there. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't seen it. I don't know. (laughs) You know, I think those are some things that people can watch over the course of the next several months. I wouldn't be watching the polls. No. (laughs) You know, I I think if you watch the performance of these stocks, I think that's going to be a better indicator of who the market is pricing in as the potential winner of the election. More Mm -hmm. so than a poll saying that Biden's got 60% of the votes and Trump's got 40. I just, I don't believe it. Like I said- you know, there's, I don't think there's any any mystery about it. I'm not voting for Biden, <laughs> but I've, I have not been offered to participate in any of these polls either. Right. You know? So at least my opinion's not showing up. I'm sure there's a bunch of Biden supporters who will claim their their opinion's not showing up too on the other side. Though. Right. So you know, I think those are some things that you're better off watching, to, and and most importantly, pay attention to the overall direction of the stock market, the S and P 500, the three months before the election. If it's positive, incumbent party remains in office. If it's negative, you have a regime change. So as always, thank you for joining us for today's episode. If you have any questions, feel free to email us at info at swpconnect.com. You can also shoot either myself or Derek a message right in the show notes. We're putting all of the podcasts on video on our YouTube channel, and you can find that in the show notes section of our website as well. Thanks for joining us, and we'll talk to you next time.